0: Good morning, family. It is so very good to be in your presence this morning. And even for those that would allow us to come into your homes, we want to greet you in the name of Jesus. It's absolutely an honor for us to uh, bring the word of God to you because we understand the times that we are living in. It is a time that uh, we all need to be encouraged. And our encouragement today is solely based on the Word of God. Because I realize that my experience and your experiences differs. But one thing is certain, the Word of God brings us all together, no matter in which way we are challenged. The Word of God has the answer to every problem and every challenge that you will face. In fact, the Word of God has gone so far as to warn us what is or that which lies ahead. And it has given us instructions how we ought to react or how to position ourselves in view of those things, that will come against us. And the overriding reality that carries us through that, the word of God always says, do not fear. If you believe in God, believe also in me. For I go to my father's house to prepare a place for you. That way I am, you will also be there. And Jesus said, do not fear those that can kill the body, but thereafter could do nothing. But fear him who is able to kill a body and then cast your spirit, man, into eternal fire. I like to define it as being in a state of the absence of God I suppose if you have never had an encounter with Jesus that doesn't not really make any difference to what I'm saying but uh, you cannot also hold to that you don't know Jesus because you've never heard of him you have to be living in a very remote place because Jesus is a most spoken about person on the earth. Hated by many, loved by many. And the decision is now to make up your mind. Who do you say Jesus is? And if you find that Jesus has relevance today, then serve him. Then follow his instruction. I mean, you can listen to Confucius all you want. You can listen to philosophers all you want. They might help you for a limited time, but eternity waits for all of us. And that is where Jesus stands above all else. I'm talking about Jesus, the container that kept Christ on the earth. The things that he went about doing were far beyond an example of how we ought to live on the earth. And so let's not fool ourselves and think, well, Jesus was only for that time. Even to perpetuate what he came to teach on the earth. He said, I will send the comforter who will lead you to all truths. And so, Confucius, I've never heard him that he was going to leave somebody else who was going to continue his legacy. Wisdom is sought by every person when it comes to certain things. But then thereafter, we go into our second nature where you've learned to think once and then you continue because you already got understanding of those things. But the word of God, it keeps growing and growing in any person until we come to a place called perfection. You see it is not only in death that we will be perfected because the word says we need to go from glory to glory. Now, glory to glory means that from one act of greatness must lead to the next act of greatness. We do not remain stagnant. We have to continue improving on our ability to put Christ on display. That is our responsibility. We don't have to do any magic at all. All we need to do is represent Jesus Christ on planet earth at every given opportunity and every day of our lives or to speak of the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ in our own personal lives. Because if I am not being perfected by the word, how then can I influence anybody around me? This morning, I'm just going to spend a little bit of time on the word of God. Because I believe it is the word of God that brings equalization to everything that you and I, we will ever do. We are told in Scripture, Second, uh, Second Timothy, I think it's chapter one, up to chapter three. Maybe you need to read that, especially chapter three. In my understanding, we are living in the time of, or the time spoken by Paul to Timothy, that these things will come, that there will be teachers that will come on the scene and speak with pompous words and give you all the instructions that uh, you need and tell you that you can do all things by yourself. You don't need to be churched. You don't need... uh, uh, to uh, submit to your pastor. Hopefully he is submitted to somebody that is answerable to and ultimately subject to the dictates of the word of God. And it says by that, those that will come to tickle our ears will take some people out of the way they might still come to church. But all we come to church for is to be hyped up. And before you you can hear what a person is saying, hands are clapping, the hallelujahs are going, and uh, thank you, Jesus, are going, but you don't even hear what the person said. And so God has seen fit, I believe, at this time, to shut all that noise down. And we come in a setting like this, where you don't hear any amens and hallelujahs, that you can now sit back and actually listen. What is the word of God to say? And I enjoy using scripture because I do not want to deviate from the word of God. There are many things that I would like to speak to even in the future of the reality of uh, being word-based, being word-based. You know, I'm itching to get somewhere else, but I'll contain myself. We'll speak about that on a later, on a later date. Right now, I want to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 5. It's called the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. There's a whole lot of things that are being said. That if you observe this, then this will happen to you. You see, it is about how you hear the word of God does it want to or does it demand from you a change? Do you need to make adjustments to the way you are doing things? Or do you think you can just carry on? Stick it there. Just carry on the way you been doing things or how you do things? Or do you find there is a need that now it is time I place myself according to the dictates of the word of God? If you call yourself a Christian, are you directed by the word of God? Do you hear the word of God that Uh, makes you want to think, want to examine your life? Am I actually the the person that uh, uh, Matthew 5 verse 3 says, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Not poor as having nothing, but poor in spirit. For theirs is a kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Maybe you need to give some careful study to those words. Because some of it has been misplaced. Because we don't understand the concept. We don't understand what was the message behind what was being said. It was about auditing your lifestyle, are you a person that is always poor in spirit, simply means that that, uh, when I read the word of God, I find lack in me that I need to add into my armory so that I can be filled so that i can understand more the word of god i'll get to what way i'm going to just now just hold on hold on don't run away just sit where you are hear the word of god it is coming to you in the comfort of your home you can set the pace you can put me on pause and then restart again because i am going somewhere you need to just give me time let me develop what i uh, am um, bringing to you this morning. It says, uh, verse 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. The peacemakers. You know, sometimes we think we've got to uh, go there with guns blazing and just annihilate the enemy. You know, most often the enemy is our fellow human beings whom Jesus died for. And you wonder why they just continue to prosper. But because one of the reasons I understand is that God wants to sharpen you. Don't want to see your enemy being annihilated and going into a godless eternity. He wants you to pray for them. Pray for salvation. Pray for salvation. If you will carefully read um, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 10, is very, very telling. It says, when love comes, has fully come, there will be no need for prophecies. There will be no need for tongues. Somebody said, well, you need to understand that that was the end of speaking in tongues. That was the end of prophecy. Oh no, I beg to differ. It simply means that there will be no need for it because love of God was so overwhelmed us that divisions will no longer exist. Because it says we need to love our neighbors as ourselves. So there's that cardinal law that says, I think that might be, uh, that's actually, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 12. We must fulfill the cardinal law. And that is to love our neighbors as ourselves. Your neighbor, I think it's been fully explained, is not the one who lives next door to you is the one that you do not see eye to eye with. It is the one that we are commanded to love. We are commanded to love. And so, let's continue. As I say, my understanding is that there is a great demand on the people of God. I wrote here of the church, but I think the church becomes an institution, but It is to each and every one of us. There's a great demand that is being placed on us where we stand. The defining lines have been drawn. Which side of the line do you you stand? I have here your faith is being questioned that whatever you say is going to land you into disfavor with the system of Babylon. Every person that is outside of Christ, sometimes you can say, speak a word, and then when it pricks their hearts, then they will say to you, you are judging them. When the word of God or the word that you speak begins to judge them, then they say, you are being judgmental. But the word of God says, we need to warn every man. Because the next verse, in, uh, verse, uh, verse 13, it says, you are the salt of the earth. You see, the children of God need to learn again to be wise. Listen to this here. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot by men. Maybe we need to examine the saltiness story. You are the salt of the earth. Look, it it didn't say a certain person is the salt of the earth. It is a collective. You are the salt of the earth. Collective and yet individual. It doesn't say you all. It says you are the salt of the earth. Now, as I looked at this here, the saltiness part of I mean, salt, okay, we see it when we sprinkle it on, but the reality is when you eat your food, you do not see it. But it has an influence to add taste to the food that we are eating. As I say, the children of God need to learn how to have wisdom, how they present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we've been overtaken overtaken by being overbearing, I think, at times. We want to drive the point. We don't read. You know, we need to learn how to entice people that they come back to hear more of the word of God we need to know how much to dish for that person at that particular time because if we overfeed them at the first we are likely to make them to vomit need to know the portion that you need to give to a person sometimes yes some people are so hungry But I tell you what, they don't get hungry at the first mention of the word of God into their lives. Their hunger comes as they begin to see your own life. James says to us, you have faith. I will show you faith with works. In other words, if your faith does not put on display works of God. In other words, if I just speak the word of God and I continue with my life, where is my works? Because the working of the word of God or the working of faith must be put on display in my own life. And so, it says in Matthew 5, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. This is how we need to learn how to quietly add flavor to the meal that we are serving to the unbeliever. Because you sometimes you will never know whom you are witnessing to quietly. Those you meet casually in the street, how you greet them. You know, have you noticed? Which I had to reflect upon this morning when I was going through this whole thing again. James is saying we when he starts uh, um, James chapter 2, that would discriminate. And I began to look at that, and I'm thinking, Lord, how many people do I pass in the street? I'm not saying greet everybody. But when you do greet, who do you really greet? Obviously those that you know obviously those that you have something common to. How often have you greeted one who is shabbily dressed? One who looks disorientated at times. One who, when they walk, they look down because it would seem like the world has turned against them. It happened twice, I think it was two weeks ago, on my walks in the morning, that there's a guy that was walking towards me. Oh, we're walking towards each other. And as I drew closer to him, he moved to the side. I normally, when I walk, I walk in the middle of the road. So he moved more, I mean, not a car that he had to, but he sort of just moved further away from me. But as he'd done that, I stopped to greet him, inquire about how was his Christmas. Was the family okay? You know, when I finished with that, I mean, I didn't labor. I just spoke with him casually. And then I turned to walk. And somehow I just sensed that he walked a little more upright. Why? Because somebody stopped to speak to him while he in himself, he felt unworthy to even walk on the same side or close to me that he had to give way. Don't know why. And then I think it was a few days later, there was somebody else. And I greeted him too. And I thought it is just time that we greeted those that in our own eyes we don't know them but at the same time in my greeting them and then have a good day. Blessing them, saying just have a good day. Don't have to say God bless you. Not necessarily. But I'm not saying don't do it. But if you say it Mean it. Mean it. Get back your saltiness, child of God. Get back your saltiness. You've been sitting too long. Keeping all that word inside of you, the excitement that uh, gripped you, that day you said yes to Jesus, that time that you witnessed to somebody and you saw the sparkle return into their eyes. And then uh, the attacks of the enemy came to come and sever that excitement from you and you have fallen foul to that spirit. And you don't know how to get yourself back up again. It is time you began to search the scriptures and say, Lord, I knew you. I know how to walk in the kingdom of the living God. It is time once again, oh God, that you need to dress me up with your Holy Spirit. I need the grace of God to begin to rise up within me so that I can go and tell somebody about where God has picked me up from. He has raised me from the mirey clay and placed me once again on the king's highway. And if, child of God, you are not able to go and tell somebody else, I must question, where is your saltiness? What is the point of God pouring His grace over you and you only keep it for yourself? It is time you are able to go and tell somebody. You might be like uh, Elizabeth and you have been sitting back uh, for a month uh, because you are busy digesting what has just happened to your body. Even in your old age, uh, the word of God says when he comes, uh, your your age will become irrelevant uh, because when the king of of glory comes, uh, he comes with a new way of nurturing that body back to life. Uh, Why? because you are the temple of the holy ghost you have looked at yourself uh, as just uh, existing on planet earth and no 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 you cannot breathe god's life uh, and be and remain irrelevant you are relevant whether you understand now or you don't but the day you allow your, your tomorrow to be Uh, nurtured by the word of God, you will begin to see yourself differently because God, on your side, you are more than conqueror. Don't worry about the world events. Yes, it is time. The time is now that we are seeing all over the world the church of Jesus Christ being persecuted. I suppose yea, in South Africa... We do not know what persecution is all about. We cry foul when the slightest of things the people in government say against the church. Right now, we're seeing our chief justice being put to the sword simply because he said he believes in Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, it's going to get more and more. You're going to hear more you're going to hear more of that type of persecution. Unless the church stands up and says, yes, I do believe in Jesus Christ, yes, even if you do get fired from your job for stating such a reality, God will make provision for you. If you say it not as a statement of showing off, but as a statement of fact, Don't trust too much in the system of Babylon. Maybe you need to go and read uh, Revelation 19 and see what happens to the system of Babylon. It's called a harlot. It's a system that wants to keep the church in the church but outside of Christ. Jesus, when uh, he knew the time for him to be put on the cross, he never ran away from it. He walked towards it. He knew that the outcome will far outstrip the pain that he will be going through. The way he was being ostracized for denouncing the system of Babylon Babylon, for me, is a church that has lost its saltiness. It has become irrelevant in the kingdom of God. It simply exists as a business venture. It no more plays a part in evangelizing people, in becoming the the salt of the earth, knowing how to influence the meal that it serves or the God that it serves. How to present Christ, not in words so much as it is in your action, how you carry yourself. And then it will go on to, to say, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. You thought you were living in South Africa. You were in a house. Now you are under a big house which is called the globe. But your light must shine so brightly That uh, the salt, it works quietly, but the light stands out there. It is open. You cannot hide the reality that you are of Christ. Try all you want. I tell you, any discerning devil will point you out. Peter tried to hide, but he could not hide from the maidens. They knew there was something about him that said, you have been with Jesus. Even in a most awkward place, somebody was saying the other day, I don't understand why. When we are ready to start a conversation, I am being asked to pray in those meetings. And I wanted to say, but it is because of the light that is inside of you. You might not recognize it, but there is a light, there is a need for the system of Babylon to hear the authentic voice of a believer in Christ Jesus. Why? It is not by how much of words you speak, it is as you open your mouth to speak, that which flows out of your innermost being. That is what people need to hear, not your many words. It is that one word, that child of God you do possess, you do have. You pray every morning. You read your word on a daily basis. You might not think it has any relevance to your tomorrow. But I tell you what, the moment will happen when you need to pray to uh, allow somebody to have a glimpse of the reality of who God is. Sometimes we want to direct the word to somebody. But it is as you scatter your seed, you don't know when that seed will begin to germinate and begin to bear fruit. One seed. You don't know how much of fruit is in that one seed. Let's do everything that we do. We must do it in love. We must do it because we want to make our God visible. Let us not hide the reality that we are called of God. I have here, this is not the time to draw back. It is time to show forth the goodness of God. How do I show forth the goodness of God? It is, uh, I don't go out there and say to myself, well, today I want to show Jesus. No, it is a life that I culture myself in the quietness of my environment. I culture myself uh, to represent Christ. How do I do that? I read his word. It has to be that which is filtered through into my life in my own private corner so that when I come to platforms like this, it has the ability to confirm that which God has been doing in, the closet, in my closet, in my time of interaction. The closet doesn't mean when I'm sitting in my office. It means when I am driving, when I'm busy cutting a piece of wood, I have an interaction with the spirit of the living God and God will always drop something fresh. Let's go to James. James chapter 2. As chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but if you have respect to persons. In other words, if you discriminate, they're well to do and not so well to do. I have a different tone of voice when I speak to the upright. I have a different tone of voice when I'm speaking to those that are down there because I think I know they are tomorrow. <laughs> you know, God says, I have chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And I don't want to be confounded by the foolish things of this world. I want to remain one of those foolish that God will lift up, those, uh, the God that will raise up. You know, I see it used to be in the culture of this town some time ago, that there was a competition who would preach at a funeral. Pastors or those that said said they were pastors, they would not be invited. They would go and invite themselves to preach at every funeral. And I think, Lord, have you raised them up to represent you, to represent your word? Or is it just our way, our pompous way of want to be made known? I want to put myself out there. I have a message to bring. (laughs) I'd rather wait for God to instruct me to do that. Because then I know I will touch many people. So, be careful whom you speak low to and you, whom you, play, you pay glowing accolades to. Because even that person at the bottom there might just have something that the whole world needs right now. Because if God has impacted their lives, you don't know. You could be the catalyst. But because of your attitude, you keep them back again. So let's moderate our attitude and begin to behave ourselves properly. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of everything. You see, God knew that nobody will be able to survive under the law. For he that said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not kill. For if you commit adultery, yet for, okay, let me read that one again. For he said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not kill. Now, if you commit no adultery, yet you kill, you have become a transgressor. Of the whole law. So speak ye. Now listen to this. So speak and so do. In other words, James is saying whatever you say, make sure that you carry through what you are saying. In other words, he says, Your word must have a corresponding action to it. Do not just say things and not follow through. Because you might say that today and I meet you tomorrow. You are doing contrary to what you just said yesterday. Then you have become a lawbreaker. You have become my deflation as an unbeliever or as a young believer, because now if my preaching pastor says this is a way of doing things, these are the things that you don't do, and then I find him tomorrow is doing the same things. When he speaks, he's got flowery language, inflammatory language. Then I have to say, who needs the salvation day? Because if your salvation as a leader, as the one that makes these pronouncements, hasn't altered your behavior, then your faith or your belief is in vain. And so he says, uh, verse 12 again, he says, so, so speak and do as you say. In other words, your speech must have a corresponding action to it. As they that shall be judged by the law of liberty, because you will be judged even in your own liberty that you say you enjoy in Jesus Christ. If it's not in context or it is not matched by the corresponding action to it, there's judgment that comes against that word. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. I think that's such a big one. In other words, James is saying, you cannot ask God to have mercy on you if your corresponding action is not giving mercy to those that have transgressed you. You have no right to ask for God to be merciful to you while you do not know how to show mercy. And then verse 14, he says, What does it profit, my brothers, though a man says he has faith and has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food or daily Needs. And then you come along as a believer, as one who's all sorted, and say to them, Go in peace, be warmed, and be filled. And yet you do not extend your hand to help. Some pertinent questions that our faith is being demanded has our faith can our faith produced a corresponding action the things that we demand of others can we also demand the same for ourselves if I say I have faith I need to be able to say, well, I'll show you my faith. I have faith to move mountains, and I must be able to show you the mountains that we have moved, the things that God has allowed us to experience, the difficult places that God has been able to take us out of. There are many things that we can share." Of what God has done. I mean, the Bible says we'll be able to buy without money. When you look at some of the things that that you are actually doing, and you count the amount of money that you put into it, and the size of what you derived out of it, very difficult to say that's what it cost. Those are just some of the small things. But there are many things that God has carried you through. Look into that and allow your faith to be developed. But let not your faith become dormant in this time of lockdown. Surely you have a cell phone. You are able to encourage somebody. You go to the shops. You are able to make that one that is uh, uh, downcast. By greeting, I'm not talking about dishing out money to the people that will go and get themselves sloshed. I don't know, I still have difficulty about that. I do give, but I think I'm selective to whom I give. Not because of what they look like. But if I don't feel convinced that you deserve my money, then I'm not interested. I had one guy, I was busy offloading my bucky. He sat there, he watched me. And when I finished offloading, then he came and he asked for a two-rand. Now, can you say I must exercise my faith and give to a person like that? Could he not exercise his human need and say, okay, can I help you with this? Because I need a two-rand. I mean, it was a whole lot of things that I had to offload. I wouldn't have given him a two-rand had he lent a hand, but no. They want to just sit there and come and demand from you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you help yourself, I'll take your hand and take you along. But if you want to hand out, I'm sorry. I am sorry. I'm not in that. I'm not here to spoil any child, especially the children that run away from home or are used by their parents to go and peddle pity. You know. Sorry, there I draw, I draw a line. And I And Don't become foolish, nor do I get uh, guilty about it. I don't feel guilty. I will help those that are ready to help, but nothing more. And so, we can put measurements on a whole lot of things, but I'm, I'm, I'm simply saying, your faith needs to begin to bear fruit now. Don't sit back. And allow yourself to become less and less relevant. Become the salt of the earth. And then allow your faith to have a corresponding action to it. Everything. You can read again Matthew chapter 5. Come and read uh, James again. Read uh, um, 1 Corinthians 13. It's clear. It's clear. That if anything we do, you can even give your body to be burnt. But if you do not have love, it is the love of God. Verse 10 says when that love is fully realized, there are some things will become unnecessary. But they still need it today. Prophecies are needed. Tongues are needed. Because the tongue is just simply there to help you to pray when you don't know how to pray at that time. Remember, we love you, we appreciate you, and we desperately desire that even in this time of seemingly being separated for such a long time, that in your quiet time, which you need to purposefully reorientate yourself towards you need to begin to build the temple of God upon your heart in your home in your environment let the time of sitting at the table become a family time where God is remembered once again we don't just go where food is dished out and we just go and dig in We remember that God has blessed us to have that meal in front of us. We need to remember that we need his blessings upon that which we receive. So stay safe. Stay in love with Jesus. And you will fall in love even with your enemies. I'm not saying you will invite them home. But you will invite them to Jesus. And you just never know, they might once again come into the house of God. And then, and then, you will have to learn how to embrace them. God bless you. Amen.